Blog Talk Radio. Sorry about the delay. Sorry. All right. Hello. Here on V Radio. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Boston Tea Party presidential candidate Charles J. Um, it is my intention to give him a uh, really good interview today. Hold on just a moment. I'm checking to see whether or not our sound is working okay in Revolution Broadcasting. In any case, uh, Charles Jay is the candidate for the Boston Tea Party. Uh, the Boston Tea Party is essentially an offshoot of the Libertarian Party in its own way. Um, and uh, let's see what's going on here with my sound. I don't know what the deal is. All right, I guess I'm probably on delay. All right, well, I guess that being the case, I will get started. Um, all right. Let's see if I've got, that's right here. Well, give me just a moment here and we will call Mr. J. And, uh, See what the deal is. We're going to add him to the call. Hello. Hello, is this Charles J? Yes, it is. Hey, Charles. Welcome to V Radio and RevolutionBroadcasting.com. We're happy to have you on tonight. How are you? Not too bad. Um, do me a favor and um, just take a moment, first of all, to introduce yourself to the audience and tell them uh, well, you know, what you're about and what the Boston Tea Party is about, and then I have some questions for you. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, well, the Boston Tea Party uh, is a party that uh, advocates for reduction 
and the size, scope, and power of government on all levels for all purposes. It's a, a really a pretty simple uh, platform. Um, and I am the presidential candidate uh, here in 2008. Uh, I was a presidential candidate four years ago uh, for another party that was called the Personal Choice Party, okay. uh, which was which is, was and is based in Utah. Uh, I am their nominee again, but the Personal Choice Party did not achieve ballot access uh, in Utah in the 2008. Um, and currently, uh, the boss uh, we have for our candidacy uh, ballot status in three states, uh, which are Colorado, Florida, and um, Tennessee. And uh, we are filing paperwork to uh, attain writing status in a number of different locations. And um, it's been uh, quite interesting so far. Do you have any kind of estimate as to, I mean, at this point, of course, just an estimate on how many states will be available um, as a write-in? I think we're going to be on anywhere between 18 to 23. Okay. All right. Well, um, I had actually told people uh, about that I was going to be um, having you on, and I had a list of questions. Um, the uh, first question that I was going to ask you is, um, there are people who would like to hear your take on Roe versus Wade. Do you feel that it is um, constitutionally sound? Well, I think that it's, yeah, yes, but I think that it's, yeah, I think the constitutional foundation for it could conceivably be questioned. You know, I, I think I, I essentially Roe versus Wade uh, the ruling on Roe versus Wade was one that was made on, you know, the basis of, 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 of privacy. Now, we know that privacy isn't specifically referred to uh, in the Constitution. Uh, but, uh, you know, my particular feeling is that we all have a certain proprietary interest in governing our own bodies. And uh, I think that uh, on that basis, um, I would, uh, I guess, concur. You know, of course, not being a constitutional lawyer or anything, but uh, I, I do believe in that, in that, uh, in that right to choose. Uh, and so uh, I would say, and 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 neither, and I do not believe that, uh, and assuming that the, that we are marking that down as an individual right, that um, that, the, that the idea of states would, would trump that. Right. Let me make another comment. Let me make a comment. Another comment. I don't know if you had a follow up on that, but um, it was just a question make, whether or not the states uh, should be allowed to make abortion illegal if they want to. Yeah. Well, well, okay. I guess I sort of answered that. But um, let, let me make let me make a comment, and I think this is this is mandatory. Uh, I am pro-choice, but you know there are people actually connected with my campaign. Uh, who are pro-life libertarians, mm -hmm. and 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 they have they, you know they have come to their own perspective uh, in good faith uh, on a libertarian basis, and you know, I would never tell somebody like that uh, who felt that way that they were you know morally or politically wrong, and, and, and this is different than you know perhaps I might deal with someone on another issue. In other words, if you and I, if you and I were arguing over uh, the income tax and, and you wanted people to be taxed more and I wanted to eliminate the income tax, I might tell you that you're morally wrong and uh, politically wrong. Right. Uh, 
on this particular issue, I would not, you know, I would not do that because I know that there is that, you know, there, there is, once again, sort of a libertarian basis on, uh, in terms of some pro-right people where they, uh, they uh, are looking out for the, uh, you know, what they perceive as the rights of the fetus. And so um, I respect that. Okay. Uh, that's a solid answer. Um, now, some of the people at Revolution Broadcasting are going to be kind of surprised by this, but this was actually a listener-requested question, and it wasn't a question that I put on the list. But um, how do you feel about the National Initiative for Democracy that your vice presidential candidate, Thomas Knapp, actually endorses? Yeah, I know he endorses it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know uh, everything about it. I know you endorse it too, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, was a listener that put that one in there? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's something that's well worth looking at. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, and of course that would require a constitutional amendment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you think about this for, for a minute, uh, and, and on all levels, of course. You know, I mean, there are, uh, there are things that um, uh, I think could perhaps be improved upon if people were voting on them directly. I think there's a lot of virtue to that. Uh, you know, we, we've got an issue here. Uh, you know, I live in South Florida. I should have mentioned that at the top. Right. Uh, you know, we have an issue here in, um, in South Florida that, believe it or not, regards uh, a stadium that's going to be built uh, by, the, uh, by the city and the county of Miami. And, um, and, and they're, they're, they're basically doing it in bypassing the referendum process. Right. So people, uh, citizens of the city and town cannot even vote on it, which right. is a huge expenditure. Uh, you're talking about uh, something in the neighborhood of $600 million or more, uh, maybe more, uh, in terms of, of tax, you know, taxpayer burden there. And the, uh, the, um, uh, the process has been manipulated so that uh, uh, the, the voter uh, does not have a voice in spending that money, now, and, a, and a judge has held up, uh, held that up. It's really not over yet, but point is, uh, there have been calls taken here locally, indicating that the public is overwhelmingly against spending that money. So here you have a perfect situation to use uh, on a local level uh, for that uh, for that uh, particular initiative plan. Uh, where, uh, you know, this involves uh, something that, uh, that, that in which uh, taxpayers are going to have money taken out of their pocketbook uh, involuntarily for something in which, uh, you know, risk is socialized, the profits are privatized. Right. And it, 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 it's well worth looking into uh, to have safeguards against that kind of a thing, to have checks and balances against that kind of thing. Uh, one thing I would point out about it is I wonder if, I, I don't know if I'd want legislation that has to do with individual rights uh, involved with something like that, because I'm not too sure that something like that should be subject to a majority rule. Oh, no, and I agree you with you. what I'm saying. The National Initiative actually is held by the Supreme Court that it cannot be unconstitutional. It cannot pass unconstitutional mm -hmm. laws. It, the concept mm -hmm. behind it is that, because some people say direct democracy, it's not entirely direct democracy because it is limited by the Constitution. You can't say pass a law with a referendum to get rid of the First Amendment. That is impossible. The, 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 for the same reason that the Congress can't just pass an act to do that, 
the Supreme Court could render that unconstitutional and then it wouldn't happen. But no, I agree with you completely. And when people talk about the fact, um, like, you know, you're talking about expenditures, today we were talking about um, the fact that in, in Switzerland, for example, if you're going to make a major expenditure, like, for example, this bailout that just happened, you can't yeah. do it without a referendum. And then you can't even start talking about major taxpayer expenditures in Switzerland without a referendum. So, um, well, yeah, and, and, I, and I wonder, and I wonder if, if it wouldn't be a bad idea to classify all those kind of things. But you know, as you know, you talk, you know, you add up a lot of minor expenditures in one bill, and you have a major expenditure all of a sudden. Of course, I'm talking about those omnibus, uh, omnibus uh, appropriations bills. I, I mean, it's you know, such such a process, maybe even on bills that are that are proposed, um, is something that could slow down government, and that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, in terms of additional legislation and whatnot. But I know what you're talking about is so that this this particular plan would include the formulation uh, of uh, of legislation uh, in such a democratic fashion. Exactly. And it is right. it's also, you know, it could also be used to recall politicians who are out of, you know, like they out of touch. I mean, like the fact that we have to put up with a president that has a 30 percent approval rating is kind of absurd. We have to suffer through him for four years, even though as soon as he got in, he basically was a terrible president. That's just one example. Just like in California, um, when they didn't like their governor, they, you know, they had a recall election. You know, I'm not really. Yeah, I mean, yeah and I can't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be careful with stuff like that, uh, uh, too, because, you know, approval ratings often, uh, you know, wildly fluctuate over time. And so, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it, you know, you could, you could feel good about it on a Sunday and not too good about it on a Monday when the damage is done. So, um, you know, those kind of things. I, I mean, I suppose that the process would be lengthy enough. Yeah. Uh, to where, you know, to, uh, six months to get it. You, you, I'm sorry? I believe it takes six months uh, to get such an initiative done, according to the National Initiative um, Legislature as it is written right now. Uh, now, I know, I know that Mike Gravel is very much behind this. Yeah. Now, how did this wind up? Uh, did he, did he, uh, was he the initiator of this? Um, he, well, basically it was a matter of he was in the Senate for eight years and he tried to make changes and he found that the only way that he could make any good changes was essentially by cheating, um, doing things like filibustering and, uh, you know, reading top secret documents into the public record was the only way he could achieve any change. And that's why he, it occurred to him, he had looked into Switzerland and in Switzerland they have a referendum system to protect the majority and a constitution to protect the minority. And mm-hmm. he's working there, you know, for like over a hundred years. So, um, and mind you, Switzerland is much smaller, but it's just kind of an issue. The other thing that he noticed is that when he tried to get people behind freedom, you know, and good bills and things of that nature, he couldn't because they were owned by special interests. And you can't really special interest the American people into doing stupid things. I mean, that's kind of where we're at now. But um, overall, though, you know, uh, the fact that you'd like to look at it more closely is a completely acceptable answer. Um, Now, there were some other people who had asked if, your former vice presidential candidate from 2004 would be campaigning with you if they, she would be involved in the campaign at all. Well, uh, you know, and we're covering up my own chambers, of course. Um, when I went into this particular process, see, first of all, let me go back to the beginning with it. 
Uh, in 2004, uh, when I made the decision and, and approached uh, the personal choice party, I, I had already dropped out of the race uh, to be the, the vice presidential nominee with the Libertarian Party. Um, when I made that decision to do that, and I decided it would, you know, it would be much more fulfilling uh, to to do this other run, this presidential run, in 2004. Hey, Mr. Dan, um, it looks like our uh, our The superfood for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powder, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today, 908-988, and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608, or go to HempUSA.org today. Are CNN and Fox online any better than they are on TV? Eat the old media. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. Revolution Broadcasting. www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. The freedom spin starts here. News and talk from a freedom perspective. Revolution Broadcasting is listener supported, so please visit our website. And if you like what's here, ship in. HempUSA.org is now offering free shipping worldwide to better serve our customers. Our goal is to get these fine hemp products to you in the least amount of time so you can enjoy what the powders, seeds, and oil can do for you. HempUSA.org has a warning that the U.S. food supplies are dangerously low, and we urge you to protect your family with hemp storable foods today. Tomorrow may be too late. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. This incredible food source is loaded with enzymes so your body can digest the food you eat. And it creates an alkaline environment where cancer can't grow and parasites cannot live and brings funguses, viruses, and bacterial levels down into a halt. Try our powder, seeds, and oil today. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. If the body has the proper nutrition, it will heal itself. Ask yourself, why does our government not allow this crop to grow in the U.S.? This product is also great for pets and animals. Call 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Hi, I'm David Luprecht, host of Supermarket Solutions and a member of the Libertarian Party. Do you ever wonder why Republicans increase big government and Democrats waver on social issues? Well, maybe it's time you shop around for a new party. Libertarians work towards smaller government and lower taxes. 
Libertarians also take a principled stand on social issues, believing that you best know how to run your life. Check out the Libertarian Party, socially tolerant, fiscally responsible. I apologize for cutting you off there, Mr. J. Please continue with what you were saying. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, we were talking about um, uh, when I decided to to uh, uh, work with the Personal Choice Party uh, and go after their presidential nomination, uh, which ironically, in a bit of trivia, uh, the only two names on the ballot for that uh, for that nomination were myself and Ron Paul. Uh, Ron Paul did not uh, uh, campaign for the nomination, but uh, I think someone in the party, perhaps the moderator, Ken Larson, had asked him if he would consent to having his name on the ballot, and he said, yeah, sure, why not? And so um, that's the way that went down. But, um, you know, when I, when I decided to do that, it's, it's strange. You know, the only name that popped into my mind was, was Marilyn's name, and, and she's the only person I considered. And I remember calling her and asking her uh, to do this, and she thought that I was, you know, joking. Um, uh, and, uh, no, I explained the whole thing to her. Uh, I told her, you know, uh, you should maybe have some fun or whatever, and, and, and that it was a good for a good cause, you know. And, and she said, sure, fine. Um, you know, Marilyn is not necessarily a political person, per se, and of course, uh, there was a certain amount of, of publicity uh, that was associated with it. But um, as I explained uh, to Brett Baer the other day, I, I, I did a little spot on Fox News. Uh, as I explained to him, you know, it went beyond that. Uh, it, went, it, 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 you know, it, it really, when you think about it, and when you think about her career, and not, and maybe not a lot of people in your audience that go back that far, but if you go back to the early 70s, um, when adult films were really films and they were getting a foothold, uh, you know, there were real questions about when and where they could be uh, exhibited. And there were a number of First Amendment fights over this thing. And it, so she became, you know, at first, sort of unwittingly, uh, a symbol of, of you know, First Amendment rights, uh, and then later she she did sort of get on the front lines and 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 do some uh, speaking uh, behalf of the issue. Uh, so she was somebody who uh, I think had a little bit of that habitat in a sense, real world gravitas um, on the on that issue. And that wasn't really something you, you would typically get 
out of uh, out of a, a a vice presidential candidate. And so that's what uh, you know. That that was one of the things that we did we did play up a little bit. Uh, but anyway, this time around, uh, I didn't. I know that she's been very busy with a lot of things. Uh, in fact, um, she's you know she does work full time. Plus, she's taken a leave of absence to go and um, and she's uh, going to be rehearsing a play. She's actually going to play that I believe is going to be opening up in Boston with, with Joe Piscopo as the star, and and it's actually about the life of Linda Lovelace. Um, and uh, and so she she doesn't have a lot of time, but she did call me. A few weeks ago, and she said, well, you're not going to leave me completely out of this thing, are you? I said, oh, no, 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 we'll figure out something. So I guess we will figure out something. I think at the very least, uh, in some of the states where we are uh, applying for writing status, certified writing status, um, she'll, she'll be a running mate in a couple of those states. And so I will connect her with the campaign somehow, but I don't, uh, I don't know that she's going to be able to take a very active, active part in it. Well, that's still that's still good that she's still involved, and I, I actually didn't know much about the background about it, so I'm glad to know now that it really amounts to just she was a great first around you know First Amendment rights activist. Um, now, another question would be: Do you support a line item veto for the president? Well, you know, I did, uh, and and obviously, you know, the line item veto was ruled unconstitutional. I believe that was in '98. And so I did support, you know, a constitutional amendment for it. But I think I'm supporting something better now. And, you know, because I want to be at effect of a line item veto. And I think uh, what I would do uh, in the event I got into office was to would be to support something that is, and I'm sure you've heard of this, which is called the One Subject at a Time Bill. Um, the one subject at a time bill um, mandates that legislation, uh, well, in essence, you know, that legislation must be about one subject and one subject only, uh, and that and, and not uh, a bill uh, which has uh, you know, writers on it that have nothing to do with the substance of the of the main part of the bill. Uh, you know, not things that they're just trying to sneak through in the middle of the night. Like, uh, there was like a, there was a bill about the CIA's, um, uh, they're just their budget, and then, then they put like some kind of weird provision on the end of it to bring back something that had been taken out of the Patriot Act. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot of examples of that. You know, one of the one of the one of the examples that wakes people up, especially in sort of the world that I uh, circulate in on a business level. Was uh, was the bill that uh, that uh, that put restrictions uh, on banking transactions for online gaming? In effect, bringing in an attempt to bring the whole online gaming industry uh, to a halt, uh, which was passed on the last day of the session uh, by Bill Fisk, who was leaving office. And I mean, in the, in the in the last hour or two, and it was put as a rider onto. Or an amendment onto the um, Port Security Act, where it had nothing at all to do with it. There was no discussion, no deliberation, no contemplation, and probably no reading of the bill. Uh, but it went through and it was signed. This kind of a bill that I'm talking about would 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 bring that to a halt. And also, as we mentioned before, these omnibus appropriations bills 
where we've got one after another of the, of this wasteful spending uh, inside of a bill. Well, you know, those subjects would have to be taken one at a time. And once again, the effect of slowing down government, bring, you're sort of isolating some of these wasteful expenditures and uh, letting them uh, or requiring them to pass on their own merits. That kind of a thing, I think, would be a very important piece of legislation to champion. Okay, that definitely sounds good. Um, uh, Federal Reserve, keep it or abolish it? Well, abolish it. Um, uh, you know, when you, can, when you can print money without value, I think it's a dangerous thing. I, and, you know, it's funny because people, you know, people have brought, well, people in the libertarian movement obviously have been bringing this up for years. Uh, you know, but now the subject is on everybody's mind, isn't it? It's pretty much front and center at this point in time. Uh, on a subject I'm sure we're going to get into and probably should uh, really spend some time on. Uh, you know, there, there, there's that danger of, of printing uh, what is, is known as the fiat currency, uh, which for people, I'm sure everybody in the audience knows what it is, but uh, if you don't, it is essentially uh, uh, money that is not necessarily backed by anything except a government order that says, hey, here's this piece of paper. You can pay for something with it. Right. So, uh, and, and it's basically like it's printing, you know, you need more than I, print it up. <laughs> and obviously, obviously, you know, Ron Paul has been one of the strongest, the strongest person uh, in Congress on this issue. Uh, and it's, it's it's very interesting that there are a lot more people listening to that now. Yeah, I was uh, the other day when I was watching the mainstream media. I didn't remember what it was, but I, there's a YouTube on it where a guy just, you know, like uh, like the, the host flat out came out and said, and he's like, it's completely private. It's not even a federal, you know, thing, and there's like no oversight and all this other stuff. I just said, wow, did he just say that? You know, um, all right. Uh, somebody actually chatted. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting that not only is there no real oversight, uh, these guys run from oversight. Uh, if you've been following what's, what's been going on with the bill that they're trying to push through, right. uh, uh, you know, they have, at first, their first proposal uh, was to avoid any and all accountability for what they were doing. Uh, and, and obviously that met with some of these issues, but they don't want the oversight. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, Brian Frank was explaining uh, that, um, that that was a no-go. And that, and that, you know, it was sort of like one of these things where they were trying to slip the fastball in, you know, trying to slip the fastball by. They found that they couldn't, but it was like worth a try, you know. And so, uh, you know, if the bill passes, it's going to contain oversight, uh, independent oversight. But, you know, they were trying to slip that one by. And so, um, you know, they're brazen enough to do that. But they'd rather just operate without any sort of duty whatsoever, do whatever they want. Well, yeah, that's definitely the case. Uh, one of the, that's kind of sick. Yeah, one of the listeners in the chat room said that you probably also uh, um, support the Read the Bills Act, too, right? Well, no, the Read the Bills, you know, it's, <laughs> I think it was um, maybe a year and a half ago. That, that, that the Read the Bills Act was first brought before my attention. And just the name of the act, the Read the Bills Act, and I'm going, 
In other words, we have to tell congressmen to read the bills before they vote on them. And, you know, the more when you think about it, it's absurd, but it does apply. It's appropriate. Right. Uh, because it's amazing. How, I mean, look, how many, how many of these uh, uh, legislators have you heard in the last few years talk about how they didn't maybe read all the Patriot Act? You know? Uh, they, they, they didn't read that legislation that, that, that uh, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, brought about the war. Uh, the, the, if they don't read those things, what else are they not reading? <laughs> and I guess, I guess the Read the Bills Act uh, would call for the, you know, would call for affidavits on the part of legislators uh, that they have indeed read a bill. Because <laughs> they're going to be voted on. Well, it would seem so unnecessary. I was thinking, I was thinking at first, that's kind of unnecessary, isn't it? Well, yet it is necessary. It obviously is. Go back to the example that Jamie and Bill I was talking about. Yep. Um, I would be willing to wager, if you pardon the pun, that um, 99% of the people who voted on that uh, 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 not only an entire bill, but passed the amendment onto the bill, had never read a bill. Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there were no discussions of it. Uh, there, you know, there was no debating the, uh, the, uh, the pros and cons of it. And now, what's interesting is that there's, there's, a, there's another bill moving forward uh, that addresses the fact that that bill doesn't even establish any standards by which, you know, the, the banking institutions uh, have to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, meet, uh, assist in, in enforcing it, or, or comply, rather, in enforcing it. Um, so it was a sloppy bill, uh, and it was virtually unenforceable, and they still be unenforceable. So, you know, this is what you, you know, this is what you get with all this. And the Read the Bills Act is another thing that you'd probably find slowing government down a little bit, which is a good thing. Um, and, 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 but think about the irresponsibility involved with not reading a bill that you are going to vote on. No, I, I totally... Just step back and think about that for a minute. <laughs> no, it, I'm totally sold. Running a constitution, I'm sorry, running a you know, congressional candidate, the candidacy myself, I watched C-SPAN and I realized, I really realized that I wanted to run for Congress when I started shouting at the television screen the same way people do on Monday Night Football. Um, watching C-SPAN, um, but uh, overall, though, um, moving on here, we've got we touched on the bailout. Um, uh, what about the conflict in Georgia? Yeah, I made a joke about that with you earlier. We were talking about it, uh, whether that was the problem between Bob Barr and Cynthia McKinney down there in Atlanta, way you know, both running for president. Right. Well, you know. Uh, you know, we're essentially talking about a dispute over territory, a dispute over land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and really, you know, I don't know what place the U.S. has in all that. It would be like Russia having a policy, um, you know, a border dispute, uh, you know, between the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the U.S. and Canada over some patch of land in northern Minnesota, you know, or uh, I guess what you're from Michigan, you know, I didn't, I, I'm sure you know a little bit about the. Uh, the the the, uh, the land dispute between Ohio and Michigan from years ago that land uh, that passed away near Toledo you know I mean who's entitled to have a policy about that 
Right. That's a conflict between two nations that has nothing to do with the United States of America. No, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, do you think we're going to end up going to war with Iran? Um, you know, I, I, fe- I fear we will. I, I don't know what, what kind of odds I would make on it, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I just I do worry about that. And quite obviously, uh, as, well, there you go. I, I hear a commercial coming. superfood for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powder, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. You feel like you should be free to live your life how you want, so long as your actions don't harm anyone else? There's good news. You're not alone. Thousands of people like you are going to move to New Hampshire so we can reclaim our lost liberties. Be a part of the Second American Revolution. Join the Free State Project. You can learn more about the Free State Project at freestateproject.org or call toll-free 1-888-532-4604. That's 888-532-4604 or visit freestateproject.org. The superfood for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powder, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Are CNN and Fox online any better than they are on TV? The old media. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. Revolution Broadcasting. 
www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. The Freedom Spin starts here. News and talk from a freedom perspective. Revolution Broadcasting is listener supported, so please visit our website. And if you like what's here, tip in. Charles, we're back here on V Radio. Um, one of the people in the chat room wanted me to tell you that he likes you better than Barr because Barr has an arrogant attitude. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope I don't have an arrogant attitude. You know, uh, uh, it, does it, does it, the difference maybe in, in, in personality there. And, and people need to understand, I'm not what you would call a guy who spends his life in politics, for sure. I mean, they, uh, basically... Uh, kind of, well, I don't know what your political background is, but I had very little uh, up until, you know, five or six years ago. And, and uh, uh, you know, like you, though, there were some things that got me angry that got me involved in this, in this process. And I, I guess that's the kind of thing that does, you know, spur people into action uh, at times. So uh, I'm not here to tell you that I have all the answers or I'm the, you know, the, the, the world's number one policy wonk, uh, but that, uh, you know, you have to think about things in terms of common sense, and you have to welcome input. I'm always uh, interested in hearing someone make an argument about something, uh, you know, if, if, if it might conflict somehow with mine, and I also have learned uh, to accept conflicting points of view, as we mentioned with the, with the abortion issue, um, if, there's a, if there's a real good faith basis to it, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to listen to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm always willing to be, you know, convinced. And, and I think that that is one of the things that is essential uh, to someone who wants to lead people and or manage any organization or enterprise is that you have to, you can't, you cannot be um, so uh, so static in the way that you, of your thinking, right. so as not to accept what might be a constructive and creative point of view. So uh, I, I like to think I leave myself open for those kind of things. Well, let me uh, return just so that you can finish answering the question. Uh, essentially, Charles J is president, um, and the situation with Iran is going on. What happens? We wouldn't be there. You know, I'm, I'm a non-interventionist. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I think that this, this administration, and this is something that uh, I, it was, I pointed out about four years ago, uh, with, you know, with reference to the Iraq war in a debate, is that 
you know, when you are considering first strike against the country because, you know, you, you believe that they are developing nuclear weapons or they are, uh, or that they have them, uh, what you're basically making a statement about and kind of enabling is an attitude for people to have about you. In other words, uh, we, we feel that if someone is developing a system, that we have the right to, to shut that down before it gets started. But what does that say about the way other countries should be thinking about the U.S.? Well, if that's not obviously considered by politicians, but it's also indicative of the kind of arrogance that maybe leads people uh, to dislike us, to hate us even. And, um, uh, you know, if you remember, in one of the first Republican debates, uh, I think that Ron Paul brought this up. And Rudy Giuliani answered, I don't know exactly what he said, but what he said was idiotic, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> right. And, it, it, you know, because Ron Paul brought up the idea that why can't people understand the very, very elemental rationale uh, behind 9-11, many have included that there is some resentment for the U.S., some support against the U.S., <laughs> for occupying here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and, and really, whatever Rudy Giuliani said got this thing, blow out of the crowd, and all the mainstream media talked about how he hit a home run, and it was a great answer. Um, I thought it was a chicken bleep answer on his part, okay? okay. And, 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 uh, and I think that the Giuliani, as a side note, uh, is someone who... Uh, uh, was was almost I, I would say go, I would go so far as to say almost looking to capitalize on this war uh, right. in the primary process. Um, Rudy Giuliani, people say. <laughs> I mean, he, he said, "Listen, he opened a security business and got rich uh, from from his notoriety with that." So I mean, I mean, you know, he had to keep that. He had to keep that in a, in a particular framework. He had to keep that issue there. And, uh, I, you know, immediately, as Ron Paul was saying that, I, I, I recognized that as the truth, but yes, people didn't, they, I, I think they didn't want to listen to it. But it's a slippery slope. It really, it really does, does bring you down a slippery slope when you are essentially condoning that attitude that you have the right to preempt uh, the development of, of weapons. Right. No, I agree with you there completely. Um, I move on now to Ron Paul's recent press conference where he invited uh, some of the third-party candidates, obviously, um, and he got them to agree to the, the four points. Were you familiar? I was. We, we endorsed it. Uh, yeah, that's. I was making clear on that. I, I, I knew that. I didn't know if the listeners knew that, but obviously the Boston Tea Party is also behind the four points. Yeah, Boston Tea Party and specifically um, the, the candidacy. So, yes. And, and they're not four difficult points to get behind. And it was, what was important and symbolic about that event is the fact that, now I, I can't tell you that I'm a veteran of, of, of many debates, but I've had debates with the other third-party candidates. And, you know, on certain things, we do seem to come together. And, and you, you know, look, let's face it. 
we're not going to win the election, but there are certain things that we can bring our uh, resources together, uh, you know, to, to back a certain point of view on different issues. And, and these are four of those things that were outlined. So um, I, I, I like the idea of the press conference. Uh, obviously, as a candidate who, who has limited ballot access, we weren't going to obviously be there. But um, it, 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 we would have been, I would have been delighted to be there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought that it was a, it, it was a tremendous event. Uh, I'm sure we're going to segue into the, to the, uh, the flow out from the event. Uh, and how it affected the uh, the Libertarian Party, but um, uh, I just want to you know be on record as saying that uh, that it was. And listen, it's not it's not as if it's the only time that third parties have come together. There is an organization. Uh, there are actually more than one organization uh, in which third parties do cooperate. Uh, one of them is is COFO, COFOE, which is um, uh, dedicated to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to ballot access, right? Uh, because we're all fighting that same battle. You know, uh, it's it's the same battle, uh, and there are two you know big guys up at the top who don't want us there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's you know in, in, a, in a sense it's that way with some of these other issues, and we're we're constantly fighting that same battle, and it's good that there is some solidarity. Uh, and you know we don't we don't you know we may disagree on things like I was in a in a in a um, in a debate with uh, with Frank McAnulty who's uh, actually uh, nominated by two parties um, I think it's the American Independent Party and and in one or two states the Reform Party and Brian Miller uh, who's the socialist candidate and uh, well Frank and I saw eye to eye in a lot of things Brian was probably a great contrast to us. And but you know, at the end of the day, it was like, hey, uh, I, I made sure I personally thanked both of them for just participating in the process, you know, and doing this, you know, you, you, you spend, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but I think it's probably germane to, to maybe this discussion uh, about, about the, uh, about Ron Paul and the third party movement, is that those people spend time and money and they know they're not going to win. And pedestrian interviewers will always ask us, well, you know you're not going to win, so why are you running? You know? I, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, in the first interview I ever did as a candidate, I really didn't know how to answer that because I was kind of trying to think of the answer that the host wanted to hear or the soundbite answer. Right. Well, I think I've spent quite a bit of time at this, and there are so many reasons to do it, that the question becomes not why, but why not? You know, uh, at the end of the 04 election, I was invited uh, to speak at the University of Akron. It was, uh, and at that point, I was living in Indiana. It was only about a four-hour drive from me. Um, it was a political science uh, class where they were actually making a case for each of the candidates that ran, and, and uh, I guess one group was assigned to the personal choice party in my candidacy. Well. I was contacted by, by them, and I said, hey, you know what, I'll show up. Maybe you guys have been an A, you know, uh, I'll be the only candidate to show up. That's awesome. So I, I, I went to this thing, and, you know, they had, you know, our, our, you know, our logo in the personal choice party was a smiley face, you know. And they had made all these Gumby-like smiley face characters and stuff. And, 
uh, they put them all over the place and all over the podium. And I started to speak and I put my hand down and one of them fell off the podium. And I said, God, I didn't mean for people, you know, people to fall off the bandwagon already, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, the, the point was, though, that as, as we were making the presentation and then there was a Q&A session, you know, it wasn't right then and there. Well, one of the great reasons is for doing anything like this and should be a great reason for you to do what you're doing is that you encourage young people to get involved in the process on whatever level it is, you know, because you're able to say to them, hey, I'm not a political professional. I'm somebody just like you. I went through the same experiences you did. I lived life for a while, you know, and, and, and understood that if you don't get involved on some level, you know, politics is going to happen to you, you know. Uh, and so it's probably best that you get a little proactive in this thing. And, and how better to do that than by, you know, putting yourself forward as a candidate on some level in order to give yourself this sort of platform and forum to speak and encourage people uh, to, to do that. But um, getting back to, you know, and anyway, you know, as I'm saying, we all have something in common along those lines in the third party movement is that, um, is that we all kind of go through that, you know, and I, I, if I'm a con one day, I'd love to write a book on why they're all doing it, you know, why for the socialist winning, the green candidate, all these people, why are you doing it? Why, why do you do it? And, and I think the answers would be amazing. You know, I think that the idea of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, why they want you to spread the message, uh, what is it that, that's in your personality that makes you do it and their love of country that makes them do it. I think it would be very exciting the kinds of things to get into. I can tell you that from a personal perspective, and everybody looks at this from a personal perspective to a certain extent. It's been a very fulfilling experience. It's made me a better American, a better citizen. It's made me want to go out and do better things. You know, even on the election, you know, obviously, uh, in my life. I mean, it, it, it makes me look at things differently. And that will, uh, in the end, make the world maybe a little bit better place, as much as I can do it. Uh, so there's a tremendous benefit to it. And I, and I love the fact that it was highlighted in that particular press conference. Well, you know, I've actually had a similar experience recently. I was contacted uh, by, um, actually, I was contacted by uh, an eighth grader who said they were doing a report, you know, on the 10th district congressional race and that they wanted my, you know, they needed my information and all that. And it was really interesting that now I'm going to be part of somebody's education on, you know, on that. And that gives me an opportunity, you know, to affect, like, the, the minds of the other people. I mean, um, it, I would also take a moment to point out that, uh, like, we, uh, we, we are going to have a debate here on Revolution Broadcasting. I discussed it a little bit with you earlier, and we're definitely happy to have you. Um, and there were some people on Independent Political Report, more specifically bar people, who were like, well, why is he getting invited, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's like he doesn't have enough ballot access and all this other jazz. And I said, that's not the point. The point is, is ideologies and people debating their feelings and their ideals. And you know, so what are you scared of? <laughs> if you're afraid that he's going to say something that's going to make people want to vote for him as opposed to Barr, then there's something wrong with you, not wrong with Mr. J. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I think it might be a mentioning. Uh, my particular views on that and on the debates, you know, vis-a-vis -vis ballot access and whatnot, polls, et cetera. Um, I left, one of the reasons that I kind of left 
the vice presidential race four years ago in the Libertarian Party is the fact that uh, they had sent out some a questionnaire uh, before about a month before the convention, uh, and that questionnaire basically was a qualifier to get into the Libertarian Party presidential debate. Now, that didn't have anything to do with me at the time, but I just got a hold of this questionnaire. And it was asking all these questions about you know, how much money have you raised, how, many, how much media have you gotten, how many states have you visited, how much money have you spent on this, that. And it occurred to me that they were using criteria to keep people out of their debate that Republicans and Democrats might use against them. And I figured they have no moral authority from that point on to complain about being left out of the debate. Yeah. And so that was the kind of hypocrisy I wanted to get away from. Well, Mr. J, that's all the time we had today. Thank you for answering the questions. I apologize for any of the brief uh, interruptions that we had had. Um, we're still ironing things out here in this grassroots effort, but we were very happy to have you. Well, I thank you so much, Neil. Best of luck to you, too. When you, when you well, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing from you further in the debates. Um, and then, and the other thing is just, I mean, you do have a purpose in that there are a lot of Ron Paul fans who just cannot stomach the idea of voting for Chuck Baldwin or for Bob Barr. And we're going to, you know, have the, the ability to vote for you. So. Yeah, I would, I, I would, I would, I would ask Ron Paul supporters to at least consider this candidacy, and. Um, and, and we'd, we'd appreciate their support if they chose to give it. Uh, absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Mr. J, and uh, thanks for being on. Appreciate it again. No problem. All right. Well, that was Charles J from the Boston Tea Party. Um, thanks for tuning in here on Blog Talk Radio's edition of V Radio. Good night.